You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Night Woodley vs. Burns event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. MMA Oddsbreaker now has eight talented handicappers providing their favorite bets for UFC Fight Night Woodley vs. Burns via MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Check out the MMA Oddsbreaker Premium tab on MMAOddsbreaker.com and sign up today. UFC Fight Night Woodley vs. Burns features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired simulcast on ESPN Plus and ESPN this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a featherweight contest between Chris Gutierrez, who is 14-3-1, and, and Vince Morales, who is 8-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Quick shout-out before we get started here, as always. I mean, check out MMAOzbreaker.com and click on our Premium Picks tab. As Brian mentioned, we have eight talented handicappers on board right now. These guys are all legit. These guys are all proven winners. So if you want to make some money on this UFC card and upcoming cards as well, make sure you click on that premium picks tab and check these guys out. They are awesome. But getting right into this fight right now, Gutierrez open minus 150, the comeback on Morales at plus 110. And right now looking over at the Don Best screen, we're currently seeing minus 115 for Gutierrez, the comeback on Morales around minus 105. So line margins have tightened up a bit. And there has been action coming in more so on Morales than obviously Gutierrez at this point. That's why the line did drop. Now the line was higher at a certain point as well at certain sports books. Um, I know one of our cappers, Josh P ended up grabbing. I think he posted a, like a, sort of a free play or free grab that he got at plus 170, I believe on Morales. So you got to love that. And at plus 170, it's definitely worth a grab because this is a, a very close fight. So I think the line is a little bit more accurate sort of uh, where it is right now. But that being said, it's all about line value and it's all about where you can grab the line. And at this point, I, I do lean a little bit more towards Gutierrez. I think he is a better striker. I think this will be a competitive bout, and I've been impressed with Morales as a whole. I think he is getting better. He's fought some solid competition, of course, but so has Gutierrez, and I think this primarily will stay up on the feet, and you have to give the edge to the striker, or the more capable striker, I should say, and that's Gutierrez here. I think he basically will outpoint Morales. I think he's more accurate. I think he can mix things up a little bit better. I think Morales is going to be one of those guys that kind of push the pace a little bit or pressure Gutierrez, but he's going to be eating a lot more shots along the way. So, again, and price is king, and where you get the price is where you make the bet. And at first, when you got Morales at plus 170, definitely worth a stab. But right now, where Gutierrez is at, I think you got to lean a little bit more towards his way. So my pick is actually Gutierrez. Again, I think it's going to come down to the striking aspect of things. I think Morales, at this point, is probably the overall better mixed martial artist, but I don't think he's going to be able to use his wrestling and his ground game effectively enough here. Even though Gutierrez is not a fish out of water on the ground, I mean, he's definitely improving that aspect, but I still think it's going to be a striker versus striker kind of aspect in this fight, and it probably plays out of the feet. And if that's the case, the better striker of the two is Gutierrez. Now, that said, I think it probably will hit the scorecards at some point. If it does hit the scorecards, 
um, I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. And with the state of MMA judging, as we always say, you never know which way they're going to score it. So that's why line chopping is definitely key here. So my pick is Gutierrez. I think he does win by decision over Morales. And I'll keep this one pretty simple. Uh, I agree with Nick that I think Gutierrez is the more diverse and dangerous striker um, in terms of mixing it up. Uh, I do think Morales has a little bit more power, and if he can get inside and really crack Gutierrez, that's probably his best path to victory. But uh, I think it's going to be difficult for him because Gutierrez uh, has some very good kicks, and if he can fight from the outside and really chew up Morales's legs, uh, I think he'll slow Morales down. He'll also make uh, it a lot tougher for Morales to get inside just from uh, damaging the legs. Uh, you know, Morales was having some issues with that as well. Uh, in uh, the Lopez fight. So I think uh, this time around, uh, I expect Gutierrez to work over Morales's legs. I think uh, it'll be tough for Morales to uh, really utilize his technical game plan. Because I think technically Morales probably is the better fighter with his hands, but I just think it's going to be tough for him to really utilize that strength. So... I think it'll be relatively close, especially if Morales can push the pace, but I don't think that that's something that he's really great at. So I'm going to side with Gutierrez as well. I just think uh, his work from the outside will pay dividends. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Casey Kenny, who is 13-2-1, taking on Louis Smolka, who is 16-6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Another quick shout out before this fight's going. I almost forgot to congratulate one of our cappers, Big Marley 3. He has a new addition to his family, a baby boy that was recently born. So shout out to Big Marley 3 and congratulations to him on uh, the birth of his new son. So again, I'll get right into this fight now as we speak. Um, Kenny opened minus 280, the comeback on Smoka plus 200. And right now what we're seeing over on the down best screen is currently about minus 275 for Kenny to come back around plus 225 for Smoka. So line margins again have tightened up a bit. Um, and there is two way action coming into this fight. It's been bouncing up and down a little bit. And I think the line's probably appropriately set at this point. I mean, look, Smoka's been a warrior, man. I mean, he, I love watching this guy compete. He's just awesome because he brings it every time. I know he's working obviously on the striking game and it is getting better. He usually has a little bit of length over his opponents, which is good. And you can't count him out on the feet against, you know, he's probably underestimated, I should say on the feet a little bit, but that's not where it's at here. I think Kenny is definitely the better striker, um, and he'll probably bust Smoke up on the feet a little bit as this fight progresses. Kenny's a better wrestler as well, and Kenny's keen enough on the ground to probably avoid Smoka's strength, which is that ground game. I mean, Smoka's grappling, his transitions are a thing of beauty. It's so fun to watch this guy fight, like I said, but I think stylistically it is a tough matchup here against Kenny. Kenny does have the total package, and I think his ability to probably keep this fight and dictate where this fight goes, if he wants to keep it on the feet, he could probably bust Smoka up. If he wants to take this fight to the ground, he could probably do that. He's got to be a little bit more cautious on the ground, but I think he's capable of kind of you know, sustaining the pace and the pressure and, and the grappling advantages that Smoka might have over him and not getting caught up in anything on the ground. So for me, I do like uh, Kenny in this spot. It's kind of tough to bet when you're laying minus 300 or so because you never know. I mean, Smoka's so smooth. He, he, he probably and is capable of, of hitting a submission out of anywhere. So, you you know, at this price, I think it's probably appropriately set. So you might not want not find too much value if I could spit it out right uh, with Kenny at this spot because I think the line, again, is about right where it's at right now. So not much line value there. But I do think Kenny gets the win. So my pick is Kenny. I think he probably grinds Smoko out and uh, ends up getting the nod on the scorecards as well. Smoko's a tough character. It's going to be hard for Kenny to stop him. 
But, I mean, anything's possible, and Kenny is getting better fight by fight as well. So I like Casey Kenny here in this matchup, though. And I agree. Um, I mean, the main thing that really sold me on Kenny was that short notice UFC debut where he not only took on uh, Ray Borg, but beat him up and controlled him and kind of dominated him, including on the ground where Borg is very strong. So the fact that Kenny was able to, to do that um, gives me a lot more confidence that he can do the same thing to Smolka because I think, you know, Borg is just as good on the ground as Smolka is. And uh, Kenny just has this really good stifling top control game. And if he can get top position without putting himself in any peril with submissions, um, I think he'll be fine on the ground. I think he can control it and win rounds there. And then uh, I think he can control the stand-up. Uh, you know, he, he has bo- good enough boxing, I think, to outpoint and outscore Smolka, who is a little bit more uh, loose on the feet, kind of, uh, you know, he'll throw the occasional, you know, crazy kicks and mix things up. But in terms of pace and technique and uh, actual striking skill, um, it's Kenny all day. So I just think this is a really bad matchup for Smolka. Um, you know, he had a tough run there that got him out of the UFC, was able to earn his way back, and now they're still throwing him in there against some pretty tough guys. So uh, I think this is his toughest fight since he's returned to the UFC, and I think uh, Kenny's just going to get the job done, uh, probably outworking him and winning a decision because Smoka's tough. But um, maybe Kenny rises to the occasion and finishes him. But uh, I think the only way Smoka can win is if he catches Kenny in a submission, and I just think that's unlikely. Now dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Tim Elliott, who is 15-10-1, taking on Brandon Royval, who is 10-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Elliott opened minus 180 to come back on Royval at plus 140. And right now, over at the Don Best Green, we are currently seeing... Elliott around minus 170, the comeback plus 145 on Roy Bull. So again, line margins have tightened up a little bit. Um, and there was two action coming into this fight as well. It's been bouncing back and forth a little bit. This is a great fight, man. I mean, I don't think a lot of people understand how good Roy Ball can be at times. I mean, stylistically, it is a tough matchup for him though. Um, because Tim Elliott, I mean, he, that pressure and that grinding style that he has, he could definitely implement that style here and, put Royval on his back and if he can stay out of submission problems he probably grinds out a win over Royval so I understand it but I mean the line is getting you know it's low for a reason basically Royval is getting some respect because I mean this guy's a dangerous guy and and he's hot right now I mean he's the current LFA champion at flyweight the guy has confidence going for him right now and he's very dangerous off his back he's dangerous off his feet as well so this guy has finishing ability and this guy's been in there with very solid competition and and for me I think Tim Elliott's slipping a little bit I think he's on a bit of a decline so we're not seeing the best version of Elliott as of late I know he's fought some tremendous competition so I mean you can't knock him there so maybe that's not fair for me to say but I believe he's lost three out of four uh, matchups and again high quality competition I get it and stylistically this is a good matchup for Elliott and he should win so I'm going to pick him to win but at the betting window I can understand why it's a fairly tight line it's you know fairly low for Elliott because I think there's a possibility if he makes a mistake if he sleeps on Royville Royville will catch him and, and 
either put him to sleep, um, catch his arm and armbar him, or possibly even maybe catch him with a knee or knock him out on the feet as well. So Royville is definitely a capable finisher and a capable fighter. I'm glad he made the UFC roster here because I think he's a fun addition to the flyweight division. The guy is definitely worth watching fight. So with all that said, though, stylistically, again, it should be Tim Elliott's fight to win or lose. I do think that Elliott, if he doesn't get finished here, he probably wins on the scorecard. So I'll pick Elliott to win. But at the betting window, I'm staying away from this one personally. And there's pretty good reason to stay away from it. Um, I mean, on paper, Elliot is, has faced significantly better competition. Um, Royval, this is his UFC debut. He's taken on a guy that's been a massive UFC veteran, a former title challenger. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, when Royval has stepped up in competition, he's lost. Uh, you look at, uh, the only UFC veteran that he's faced, uh, um, recently. Well, actually, no, that's not true, but, uh, the only current UFC fighter he's faced was Casey Kenny, who I thought beat him relatively one-sidedly in LFA. Um, he did get a, a win, uh, over, I think, Joby Sanchez, uh, more recently during his LFA run. But, um, in terms of Elliot, I mean, that guy has just faced the who's who of the best flyweights in the world. Um, now, uh, with Royville, I think the best chance for him is to just catch Elliot with something. Um, because, you know, even though I think Elliot is, uh, you know, more experienced and a grinder and can just outwork Royval, um, there is definitely a chance that he can get caught. We've seen it before. He, he's been submitted by Benavidez. He got submitted by Ben Wen. He got submitted by Davis and Figueredo. So, I mean, there is definitely a path for Royval to catch him with something. And all three of those losses were in the first round. So, uh, I'm a little concerned there, but uh, overall, um, I still think that Elliot has some gas in the tank. I mean, his last losses were to two of the better uh, flyweights in the world in Figueredo and Askarov. And before that, he just dominated Mark De La Rosa. And uh, after the Johnson loss, he beat Smolka too. So um, I think that... As long as Elliot doesn't get caught in something, I can see him just grinding out Royville a little bit. I think Royville will be competitive, and I think there's definitely the possibility of a finish for Royville, but I don't see Royville winning a decision. And uh, I think as long as Elliot can protect his neck, he should be able to win a decision. So my pick is going to be Elliot, but I think he'll definitely have his hands full in Royville, who is a nice up-and-coming flyweight. Now, moving all the way up to the light heavyweight division, we have Jamahal Hill, who is 7-0, taking on Clidson Abreu, who is 15-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Hill open minus 175, the comeback on Abreu at plus 135. And right now, what we're seeing on the Don Best screen is currently minus 125 for Hill, the comeback on Abreu at plus 105. So, again, line merchants have tightened up. There is action coming in on Abreu, and a lot of it's been a little bit sharper action, honestly, coming in on Abreu's side. You can make a case that Abreu should be favored in this matchup, so I can understand it, and I can agree with it, honestly. I mean, this is going to be a tough matchup for him, though, because Hill is a threat on the feed. I mean, it's basically your classic striker versus 
grappler matchup where Hill being the striker, he's going to have some length. I mean, he definitely has the skills and the diverse striking ability. I mean, he gets you with knees. He's got good clean technique at times as well. He's got power behind it and some accuracy. So Hill is a threat on the feet for sure. He's hittable though. I mean, defensively, he's definitely hittable and you could kind of pressure him up against a cage and have your way with him at times. But still on the feet, Hill is the better fighter and he's going to have an advantage over Abreu. But you know what? For Abreu being a grappling based fighter and more of a grappler, he doesn't have bad stand-up. I mean, it's not like he's going to be completely out of his element. He likes to push forward. Um, he does have okay striking, like I said. I mean, he can be effective with it. He's going to kind of try to be the bully a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Hill's on his back foot for the most part in this fight. And then Abreu has these sneaky kind of takedowns that he can hit at times, which I like it. I mean, I, I think he's more than capable of possibly getting Hill on his back in this spot. And if he does get Hill on his back, then obviously he's got a bigger advantage you know, and, and that aspect of things. I think Abreu could definitely, um, you know, grind out Hill on the ground or possibly even submit him. So Abreu on the ground, I think, is very strong and, and very possible to get the W here and, and either win on the scorecards if he can't get a finish or probably finish Hill um, by grabbing his neck and, and kind of or taking his back and getting a rear naked choke type of scenario. I could see that happening. So realistically, I think Abreu should be the slight favorite in this matchup. I know Hill's undefeated and he's kind of the, the rising prospect and a lot of people are kind of getting behind him in most cases. But again, smart minds are coming in at Abreu and I can understand it because he could be the slight favorite in this matchup. So I'm going to pick Abreu to win. I think overall, the total package that we're going to see in this fight, meaning that he's not going to be afraid to push forward. He's got to be a little bit more cautious, but the ability to get this fight to the ground when he needs to as well. I think he's going to probably pay dividends for him. So I think Abreu can win, and his ground game is going to be the key here. So my pick is Abreu to either, like I said, get the submission a long way over Hill or possibly even get a close, close competitive decision over Hill as well. So the pick is Abreu for me. And I understand it because you look at the way Abreu has fought. I mean, the guy is very talented on the ground, but in his first three UFC fights, he's faced guys that were – not half bad on the, on, on the ground. I mean, actually pretty good defensive wrestlers, um, in Ankalaev and Alvi and Gamzatov. And while he lost two out of those three fights, um, they all went to decision. Um, the last one against Gamzatov was a split decision, close fight. Um, I think, uh, you know, Hill, if he, you know, lets it slip a little bit with his takedown defense, he could be in trouble. We really haven't seen a lot of uh, urgency out of Abreu yet, but uh, I think that he will definitely be looking to take this fight to the ground because this is definitely a fight that he does not want to screw around on the feet for too long. Um, Abreu is pretty durable, but uh, Hill hits hard, and he's definitely the more technical striker, and Hill has a five-inch reach advantage. So, um, and he's you know he's quicker, he's more athletic. So, you know, the longer this stays standing, the more, you know, you're leaning towards Hill to not just win, but potentially finish Abreu. So I think it's uh, very important that Abreu closes the distance, um, you know, uses his striking to maybe gain a little respect from Hill. And then the second he drops that guard a little bit or maybe overcommits to something, that's when he just has to really sell out for a takedown because uh, the longer this is on the feet, the worse it'll be for him. But if he gets to the floor, um, I think he actually has a really good chance. Um, I mean, Hill even got taken down. You know, he really hasn't shown that good at takedown defense. He got taken down a few times in that UFC debut as well. Um, so I think, uh, with Abreu being a very strong grappler, that if he can close the distance and drag Hill to the floor, uh, we're primed for an upset here. 
Um, now, granted, if he can't do that, if he just screws around and turns this into a striking fight, he's going to lose. But if he can close that distance, I think not only can he win, he might even be able to submit Hill. So my pick is going to be Abreu. Now, dropping down to a 150-pound catchweight, we have Billy Corantillo, who is 13-2, taking on Spike Carlisle, who is 9-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Corantillo opens minus 170, the comeback on Carlisle plus 130. And right now, looking at the, at the Don Best screen, we're seeing Quarantillo at minus 145, the comeback plus 125 on Carlisle. So line margins, again, have tightened up, more action coming in on Carlisle, dropping the line a little bit. I understand, I mean, Carlisle is one of these guys that's just an aggressive, at times, an aggressive, capable, hard-hitting, crazy man. I mean, the guy, and I'm saying that, I mean, his technique is getting better, but if you watch some of his, the older footage of him, you can see a lot of sloppiness in his game. But the guy has effective power, man. I mean, if the guy clips you, you're in some serious trouble. I mean, he's proven that time and time again. So Carlisle is going to be a threat early on to Quarantillo. There's no doubt about that. But Overall, I think you have to lean towards Quarantillo. So, I mean, as a price drops, there might be some value that opens up on Quarantillo in this spot because I think he is the better overall fighter. I think he's a little bit more battle-tested. I think he's got better cardio. I think he's got the better overall ground game as well. I mean, stand-up is not bad for Quarantillo, but I don't think he wants to try to play that game all that much. Unless he gets in round two and round three, then he'll be a little bit more capable of actually having more success and, and weathering that kind of early storm that Carlisle has to throw at him. Because, again, Carlisle, I mean, we've seen it, man. He clips you with – one of his kicks, he clips you with one of his elbows. He can hurt you, he can rock you, and then he jumps on you and pounds you out. I mean, he's capable of doing that. So that's the threat and danger with Carlisle. I think early on, especially in round one, he's capable of winning this fight. So again, I get why some of the people hopped on the dog action early on, but overall, I think it's Quarantillo's fight to win or lose. I think he is the better and more capable mixed martial artist as a whole, and if this gets past round one, he's going to win the fight. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually finishes Carlisle more than likely on the ground if that's the case. Carlisle at times, I mean, his takedown defense is getting better. So I've seen that. His progression is getting a little bit better. But, man, as he gets gassed and as he tires out, that takedown defense is terrible. So, again, Quarantillo has to weather that early storm, but I think he's capable of doing so. And if he could do that, he's the better fighter, and he's going to probably get the win. So my pick is Quarantillo. I think he kind of, like I said, weathers that round one storm, and then he ends up finding a way to finish Carla. I don't expect this fight either way to hit the scorecards. I think both these guys are capable finishers, and I think we're going to probably see it end inside the first couple rounds. So my play, or my pick, I should say, not really a play, because again, it's kind of tough unless the line keeps on dropping, then there will be even more value opening up on Quarantillo. But my pick is going to be Quarantillo to beat Carlisle in this spot. Yeah, historically, you look at Carlisle, and um, he he's a, an early, uh, aggressive fighter. Um, he has multiple, multiple fights uh, where he's just been able to overwhelm his opponent quickly and get a finish. I mean, he, UFC, his MMA debut, minute 52. Um, third fight, he wins in 55 seconds. Then he wins four minutes into the first round. And then his last three fights have all been first round wins, including his UFC debut, where he uh, finished Alon Cruz in a minute 25 with the ground and pound with elbows. So... Um, the guy is a very, very strong starter. And if I'm Quarantillo, I mean, you need to be very careful. Uh, you don't want to leave your chin out there. You don't want to get drawn into a, you know, a, a brawl early because Carlisle is very strong in that first round, especially the first half of the first round. But if Quarantillo can 
kind of weather that storm. And I think he can. I mean, he is a very talented fighter, very well-rounded. Um, I think he's got an excellent ground game. So if uh, Carlisle does get top position, I think he can fend him off. Um, so it's just more about weathering that storm, not getting finished quickly. And then uh, Carlisle's conditioning is not that good. You know, you would think for a smaller fighter that wouldn't be too much of a problem, but he does slow down just because he just puts all of his energy into that strong early burst. So, um, I think current, I think Carlos probably going to win the first round. I mean, he's just so aggressive. Uh, but, uh, as long as Carantillo s- survives that first round, I think that Carlos is going to slow down. Carantillo has a better ground game. Uh, I think Carantillo gets it to the floor and at some point in the second or third round, uh, probably submits Carlisle. And if he doesn't, I think he'll at least win rounds two and three and win a decision. So, uh, I'm picking Carantillo and I think this could potentially be a nice live betting scenario where, uh, Carlisle wins the first round. Maybe he's winning on uh, live betting and you can get Carantillo at a good underdog price potentially. So my pick's going to be Carantillo. I think he gets the job done. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Caitlin Chukagian, who is 13 and 3, taking on Antonina Shevchenko, who is 8 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Shevchenko open minus 140, Chukagian at even money. And right now, what we're seeing on the Donbass screen is around minus 140, the comeback plus 120. Shevchenko still being favored here, so line margins again have tightened up a little bit. The line did skyrocket at times. It got up to like 150 minus 155 in some spots, um, but now it's starting to come back down a little bit as we see it. So um, again, another difficult fight to call in a way because you have the experience in Chukagian taking on the up-and-coming fighter in Shevchenko. Obviously, Shevchenko's sister is the champ at 125. Valentina is the best pound-for-pound female fighter, in my opinion, on the planet. Um, and that pays dividends here for Antonina is because I think that, I mean, she's learned and she's actually, it's that old saying that iron sharpens iron, so to speak. I mean, you cannot get a better training partner than her sister. So I think she's improving because of that. And I, you could see the progress. I mean, fight by fight, she's getting better. She's more of a threat on the ground than she ever has been. Her striking obviously is where it's always been. And, and you got to respect her for that. And against Chukagian, I mean, Chukagian is a very talented fighter. She just recently fought for the title for crying out loud against her sister and got beat. Um, but that being said, I think stylistically, this is a good matchup for Shevchenko here as well. I mean, I think it's going to be kind of, again, a striker versus striker kind of matchup. Chukagian is probably the overall better mixed martial artist, but we haven't seen her ground game utilized enough here. I mean, she doesn't really go for the takedowns as much you'd like to see. She doesn't have success while doing so. And I think Shevchenko is actually improving to the point where I mean, she's going to be game in every aspect of the fight as well. So I, I like her diverse skill set, even on the ground now for Shevchenko. I mean, she's proven that she is getting better in that area. So I think this probably does stay up. And I think Shevchenko probably outpoints Shukagin in a three-round fight. It probably does hit the scorecards. And the caution here is the judging again, because it, it is a high-level female fight. And we probably will see a split decision type of fight um, if it hits the scorecards, right? But I still think Shevchenko should edge out this fight. I think she's the better striker. I think she's going to be a little bit more accurate. I think she's going to be impressing the judges as this fight progresses more. So if the line creeps back down to near pick or so, which it might, because I think there's going to be a lot of uh, support coming in on Chukagian. Or if the line drops even to minus 120, minus 130, um, I could see some value opening up on Shevchenko because I do think she is the better fighter of the two right now. And I think, again, you see her kind of on the rise. And this is a really good spot and really good matchmaking by the UFC because, you know, if Shevchenko gets this fight and does get the win over Chukagian, I mean, her stock is going to rise huge 
right? So I think this is, like I said, a very good fight for her. I think she could get it done. I'm going to pick Shevchenko to win. I think she probably obviously outpoints Chukagian on the scorecards and gets it done. So my pick is Shevchenko to beat Chukagian, which should be an impressive win for her. And I'm going to side with Shevchenko as well. I mean, it's, it's, this is tough for Chukagian. I mean, one fight removed from a title shot where she got just obliterated by Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, she's going to take on her sister who was a world-class Muay Thai fighter and is really turning into a pretty decent uh, mixed martial artist as well in Antonina. Um, I mean, on the feet, uh, Chukagin is going to be outgunned. Uh, Shevchenko is more powerful, more technical, um, but Chukagin makes up for it with output. And even though she doesn't really have any power in her strikes, um, she throws a lot. And uh, she doesn't really hit that often either. But when you throw a lot, maybe you can persuade the judges. And if Shevchenko is sitting back kind of waiting for those perfect opportunities to land a good counter shot or, you know, just kind of pacing herself too much, I could potentially see her getting outpointed. Um, you know, we stranger things have happened and really good technical strikers have lost to uh, fighters that just throw more often and, uh, you know, earn points with the judges. So, uh, that is a bit of a concern. I'm also a little concerned about how Chukagian came into MMA through her grappling. I mean, she's a decent grappler on the ground. Didn't really show him the Valentina fight, but Valentina is elite there now. So uh, I think Chukagian probably is at least as good, if not better than Shevchenko uh, Antonina on the ground. Problem is, I don't think she's ever completed a takedown in the UFC yet. So uh, I think it's going to be unlikely that this fight goes to the floor. But if it does, I think Chukagian could outgrapple Shevchenko potentially, uh, just because Shevchenko spent most of her career in Muay Thai. So, you know, she just doesn't quite have that grappling experience that her sister does. So I'm a little concerned about all that, but in the end, I'm still going to side with the more technical, you know, classically trained striker. I think if Chukagian really screws around too much on the feet and actually closes that distance and gives Shevchenko the opportunity. I think she's going to get cracked a few times. So uh, I'm going to side with Shevchenko, but I am a little concerned about Chukagian, uh, you know, scoring on points. Now, moving on to the main card and dropping down a weight class to the women's strawweight division, we have Mackenzie Dern, who is 7-1, taking on Hannah Cyphers, who is 10-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Dern open minus 245, the comeback on Cyphers at plus 175. And right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we are currently seeing Dern at minus 400, the comeback around plus 310 on Cyphers. So needless, needless to say, Dern got some action and got bad up early on. I understand it. I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I know that she's, you know, coming off of that disappointing loss to Rebus, but there's a lot to like about Mackenzie Dern. I mean, obviously Rebus, we all know is legit more than legit at this point. So that's not necessarily a bad loss, but where it's at for Mackenzie Dern is obviously on the ground and she's going to have a huge advantage over Cypher. Cypher's does have a little bit of a ground game. I mean, she's more known for her striking, but I mean, it's a mismatch on the ground against somebody like Mackenzie Dern. So make no mistake about that. And on the feet, actually Mackenzie Dern does put the pressure on. I mean, she's not afraid to get hit. She's not afraid to exchange and her striking is actually getting a little bit better. And she's got some power in her, in her punches. I don't know if she wants to mix up too much 
with Cyphers on the feet, though, because I, I think Cyphers is a little bit underrated when it comes to the stand-up game. I mean, she definitely has some skill on the feet. She has some power. She's not afraid, again, obviously, to mix it up. But she is the better striker in this spot here over Dern. So even though I think Dern can have some success on the feet, against Cyphers, I don't think she wants to keep it there and, and play that game too long because Cyphers is going to be more than competitive. I mean, she's going to probably be the one landing a little bit more often and landing a little bit cleaner on Dern and, and maybe even, you know, could hurt Dern along the way. Cyphers does have a little bit of knockout power as well. So I don't think she knocks Dern out, though. Dern has showed a very granite chin at this point of her career. So it's all about Dern getting inside, making this an ugly fight and kind of bullying Cyphers, getting her to the mat if she can as well. And then on the mat, she's going to clean up. Obviously I don't think Cyphers can survive against somebody like Dern. So that's why you're seeing everybody kind of come in on Dern. I think stylistically, this is a good fight for her. I understand it. Now where it's at minus 400 though, you got to kind of stay away from it. I think the value got sucked out of this fight and you know, you, you kind of got to stay away from it. I think Cyphers are going to probably surprise more people um, than we think by keeping this fight interesting, at least for a while. I think she'll be competitive and she'll be close at times and probably do better than most anticipate. But that being said, hard to not side with Dern in this spot. So for me, I do like what I see with Dern. I think she does get the job done here. But again, line probably got sucked out the value did at least. So you got to probably stay away from it. But my pick is Mackenzie Dern. I think she probably submits Cyphers along the way. And I'm in the same boat. Um, Dern and Cyphers are very far apart in terms of well-rounded skill sets. Um, on the feet, they both have a lot of power. Um, but on the feet, I think it's pretty even. Uh, Cyphers has power. She's got decent technique. Um, she's, they've both hurt, uh, other women, uh, straw weights and fights in the UFC. So I can see this being pretty evenly matched if it stays standing. But, uh, Cyphers does not have a good ground game. She's not good, uh, with takedown defense. I mean, Angela Hill took her down repeatedly, and that is not Angela Hill's strong suit. So, um, if Dern can take Cyphers down, I think it's over. I mean, she's just too good on the ground being a world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, black belt. So, I mean, realistically, this is going to be competitive as long as it stays standing, and Cyphers is going to have a puncher's chance because Dern, you know, even though she's got power, she, you know, she's hittable. She doesn't have very good defense. And, uh, and, you know, she did show a pretty good chin against Amanda Rebus, even though she convincingly lost that fight. But, um, you know, I don't want to see her get blasted because if she does, Cyphers could win. But that being said, I think, you know, as long as Dern, you know, has worked on her takedowns and even if she can just close the distance into a clinch, I think that that'll be enough because, that's kind of Hill took Cyphers down from the clinch. So just as long as Dern uh, is able to utilize good footwork and kind of back Cyphers into the fence, I think this fight's hers. But the longer it stays standing, the more interesting it gets. So my pick is going to be Dern. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Roosevelt Roberts, who is nine and one, taking on Brock Weaver, who is five, 15 and four. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Roberts open minus 290, the comeback on Weaver at plus 210. And right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we are seeing Roberts about minus 320, the comeback around plus 260 on Weaver. So another spot where line merchants have tightened up a little bit more action coming in on Roberts slightly. And another kind of tough spot to bet. I mean, look. Roberts is the better mixed martial artist. I think Roberts is more of a threat pretty much everywhere this fight takes place. 
But what you're going to get in a guy like Weaver is a guy that has a ton of heart. He's got solid experience. He's not going to quit. He's going to keep on pushing a pace. He's going to try to grind Roberts out, try to maybe even get some takedowns along the way. Just make this a grueling type of fight. So you got to respect fighters like Weaver. And that's why it's very difficult to kind of lay the chalk on Roberts where it's at right now. But that being said, I think Roberts is definitely the more skilled fighter. He's more of a threat on the feet. Uh, he's got a nasty guillotine choke that Weaver has to be cautious about as well. And his ground game is obviously improving as well. So this is Roberts' fight to win or lose. That's why you're seeing people a little bit more confident in his way. I'd be surprised if he does lose to Weaver here. But again, at the betting window, what we're talking about here, you can't kind of lay that chalk because Weaver is game enough. And I could see him maybe having his moments in this fight and trying to make this an ugly, gritty type of fight. But realistically speaking, I don't see him having enough to beat Roberts. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet. And I think Roberts kind of gets a win here, obviously. I mean, again, a solid favor for a reason. Um, but be cautious at the betting window. My pick is Roberts to get the win over Weaver. Yeah, Roberts is just so much better technically than Weaver in just about every area. Uh, I mean, he's long and lanky, uh, has a pretty good jab. I think he can just outpoint Weaver on the feet if he stays at distance. Um, and if it goes to the ground, I think he's way better on the ground too in terms of wrestling, submissions, um, you name it. So I just think this is a really bad matchup for Weaver. I mean, I really was not impressed with Weaver in that UFC debut. Uh, really only getting a, the win because he ate an illegal knee. So, um, you know, before that he was, you know, kind of getting beat on a little bit. So, uh, I just think in terms of pure talent, I mean, it's just the, it's way on the side of Roberts here. Um, Weaver might be able to grind this out if he, I mean, he's definitely, you know, that, that gutsy type of fighter with a lot of heart. So, he could make it interesting if he could wear Roberts down a little bit and just kind of beat him over the head with uh, just being aggressive and tenacious and uh, kind of suckering him into a brawl a little bit, maybe pushing him into the fence, maybe getting top position. Uh, Roberts has a good guillotine choke, so if uh, Weaver can kind of uh, tease Roberts into going for that and drop into his back, maybe Weaver can take top position and just ride this out a little bit, but uh, the longer this is a technical fight, the worse it is for Weaver. So I'm going to side with Roberts. I just don't think Weaver's heart and everything else is going to be enough to overcome it. Uh, I, I don't think he can grind Roberts out. So my pick is going to be Roberts. I think he probably gets to finish along the way. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Daniel Rodriguez, who is 11-1, taking on Gabriel Green, who is 9-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? On the down best screen, this is hot off the press as this line just got announced and, and matched and uh, odds started popping up. Again, only one or two sportsbooks have it as we speak. Daniel Rodriguez minus 300, the comeback on green plus 240. And right now what we see on the Don Best screen is actually a little bit lower. Rodriguez is minus 265, the comeback on green around plus 225 or so. So a little bit more dog actually coming in in this spot. I don't necessarily agree with it, though. I mean, this is, again, short notice for Green stepping up here. He's not a bad fighter, though. I think he's a very good fighter. Um, he does typically fight at lightweight, and he's stepping up uh, at welterweight here, which makes sense. I mean, he's not going to have the brutal weight cut, obviously, to do um, that 170 pounds. So he's not going to be, you know, that far off as far as size goes. Daniel Rodriguez should be a little bit bigger overall. And again, he's going to be the stronger fighter of the two for sure because he's more of a natural, um, obviously, welterweight or so than um, – 
Green stepping up from lightweight. But that being said, stylistically, I think it is a tough matchup for Green. I mean, he's more of your grappling-based fighter. I mean, he even admits it himself on social media that that's kind of where it's at. He does have some okay striking. I mean, I was impressed. He's got some clean technique, decent boxing, mixes things up okay. Uh, but where it's at for him is getting the fight to the floor and winning by submission a lot of times. And I think he's going to have trouble doing that with a guy like Rodriguez. Rodriguez should have good enough takedown defense to keep this fight upright. Green at times does have actually questionable takedown defense in his own right. So if, if Rodriguez wanted to, he could probably get this thing to the floor and get top position, but I don't think that's his game plan. Obviously, if you watch Rodriguez fight, man, the guy is awesome to watch on the feet. I mean, very impressive win over Tim Means in his last fight as well. So there's a lot to like about Daniel Rodriguez here. I would have loved to see his fight with Holland. I think that would have been a far more entertaining matchup than we're going to see here. But again, I give Green a lot of credit for stepping up on short notice and taking this fight up a weight class. I just think it's going to be a tough one for him. So my pick is going to be Rodriguez. I think he ends up getting the job done on the feet. Um, if this somehow does hit the scorecards, I think it's going to be clear Rodriguez outpoints Green along the way as well. But I, I have a feeling Rodriguez probably finishes Green before it hits the scorecards. Again, I'm impressed with Rodriguez. I think he's probably a little bit underrated and that he got a quality win and his confidence is going to be an all-time high right now as well. So, um, you know, coming into the UFC and kind of being a newer fighter in the UFC on the roster or whatnot, sort of speak. So I think there's a lot to like about Rodriguez and he's only going to keep on improving as his career goes on. So my pick is Rodriguez probably by finish along the way over green. Yeah, this one, I don't really need to talk about too much. I mean, it's super short notice for green. So Major props to him for stepping up on crazy short notice and even taking this fight. Uh, I assumed when Holland went down that this this was going to be a 10-fight card. But uh this guy stepped up, and he's not just stepping up, but he's taken on a pretty darn good fighter in Rodriguez. I mean, Rodriguez is powerful. He's got a good boxing. He's a good wrestler. He's got good leg kicks. Uh I mean, this guy is just a big, strong, dangerous fighter. Um, and Gabriel is pretty much a, a lightweight that's taken this on crazy short notice. Um, Gabriel is pretty good on the ground. I mean, he has uh, some good submissions. If he can get top position, he's dangerous. If he's on his back, uh, he throws up a lot of uh, submission attempts from his back as well. Uh, and on the feet, he, uh, he throws some decent combinations. But uh, for the most part, I mean, I, I just don't see how Green is going to be able to compete here. Uh, Rodriguez is so much more dangerous on the feet. Uh, I think Rodriguez is da- more dangerous from top position as well, as long as he doesn't get caught in anything. Um, I don't see how Rodriguez loses. I think uh, the most likely outcome of this fight is Rodriguez by knockout, and it could happen quickly. But uh, major props regardless for Green for stepping up on, you know, a week's, less than a week's notice, just a few days' notice. Uh, and to step up, you know, just moments after the, the announcement that Holland was out. So props to Green, but I'm still going to uh, stick with my brain here and go with Rodriguez. Now, moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Blagoy Ivanov, who is 18-3, and three, taking on Augusto Sakai, who is 14-1-1. and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Ivanov open minus 140. The comeback on Sakai, even money. Right now, what we're seeing on the down best screen is exactly a pick on minus 110 either way. So early action did come in on Sakai, and it actually flipped him to a slight favorite. Now we're seeing action come back in towards Ivanov. So now, again, a pick him is where it's at right now. And it, it is a tough fight. I mean, I like both these heavyweights. I think they're extremely underrated. Ivanov has made me some money. I mean, honestly, he's been underrated throughout his career, and I've cashed in on him several times along the way. 
Um, but that said, he's facing a different beast here in Sakai. I think Sakai definitely has some advantages over Ivanov in this spot. Um, I, I think that he could probably win the striking exchanges, especially keeping his distance a little bit, a little bit more at range. I think Sakai is the better overall striker. I think he's going to stay a little bit more active and he, he has a little bit more of a diverse skill set. But Ivanov, on, on the other hand, I think is more than capable of kind of making this fight a grueling, dirty type of fight, getting inside. He's got good hands. He's got good boxing for sure. I think he's got the better ground game and he is going to kind of look at times and maybe possibly take this, the, this fight to the floor. He's got a granite chin. He's hard to get rid of. So I don't think Sakai is going to be able to knock him out. I mean, it's possible. Obviously these guys are big boys, so you never know. I mean, you, they both have knockout power for sure, but I think both of them are durable enough that we see this fight probably playing out for a while if not hit the scorecards. So this is an awesome fight, and I can understand seeing two-way action back and forth. I like Sakai a little bit more so because I think, again, he's probably the more diverse striker. I think he's probably going to be able to outpoint Ivanov along the way um, in this spot, and I think he probably gets a close, close type of competitive decision win over Ivanov in this spot. So, again, it should be a very entertaining fight. Both these guys are going to have their moments for sure as it progresses. I just like what I've seen from Sakai striking a little bit more than Ivanov. And, again, I, I've been one that has supported Ivanov throughout his career. And, and I know that he what he's capable of doing. And I know he's been underrated. But I think stylistically this is kind of a tougher matchup for him. Um, again, he's been in some tough fights, though, not to you know say that he hasn't for sure. But I still think this is going to be another one of those close competitive wars. And if it's a scorecards, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a split decision type of fight. But that being said, I think most in most cases, you've got to lean towards Sakai because, again, he's slightly the better striker. I think he could kind of mix things up a little bit better and probably get the nod on the scorecards or even maybe be one of the rare guys that can finish Ivanov and, and, you know, if he's able to do that. So I like Sakai here a little bit more in this spot. So if you're getting plus money on Sakai, probably worth a stab um, at where it's at right now to pick them and you have to lay a little bit of chalk either way. It's a little bit tougher because again, if it hits the scorecards, I think it might be a split decision type of fight, but still there's some probably a little bit more value on Sakai side, at, even at pick them than the rise on Ivanov in this spot. So my personal pick is Sakai. I do like him and I'm going to pick him to win this fight. And I'll go with Sakai as well. Um, the main here is, you know, Ivanov is a dangerous guy. And if this gets to the floor, I think he actually has the advantage, you know, due to that, uh, you know, elite combat Sambo and judo background. But that's really not something that he's consistently looking to do. He, he mainly likes to, to stand and trade. So, uh, and on the feet, I think, uh, Sakai, you know, he's, he's got the longer reach. He pushes a better tempo. He has better conditioning. Um, I mean, we've seen consistently that Ivanov slows down quite a bit as the fight goes on. Uh, he guts through it, and he still manages to make it to the end because he's so tough uh, and he has a lot of heart. But he definitely has a, a slower pace as the fight wears on, and it's pretty obvious. So if Sakai can just keep that tempo rolling uh, and turn it up a notch, I think that uh, he'll clearly win you know rounds two and three as uh, Ivanov starts to slow um also uh I, I'm concerned about uh Ivanov really not checking leg kicks so um I think uh Sakai can uh, do some work there as well um I think uh this is just a really good I mean this will be competitive because Ivanov is uh super tough I mean the guy's background is insane I mean getting the first person to ever beat Fedor in combat Sambo and then getting stabbed in the heart and coming back and, uh, making it all the way to the UFC and, and having some success in the UFC against some decent fighters. But, uh, I just think, uh, Sakai's in a good spot right now. I mean, this guy hits hard. 
Um, I mean, Ivanov actually is probably just as technical, if not more so. But I think with the pace and the way that Sakai throws and with his size advantage, uh, I have to side with Sakai. But uh, I still think it's going to be close because Ivanov always has pretty close fights. I mean, he's he's tough, he's gritty, and, and he makes things interesting. And I, you can never truly count him out. So I'm going to be uh, biting my nails all the way through this one by picking Sakai. But I will still pick him. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening. In the welterweight division, we have former champion Tyron Woodley, who is 19-4-1, taking on Gilbert Burns, who is 18-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Woodley opened minus 145, the comeback on Burns at plus 125. And right now, what we're seeing on the Donbass screen is currently minus 180 for Woodley, the comeback on Burns at plus 150. So needless to say, line went up a little bit from the opener. There was a lot of support early on coming in on Burns. I got to be honest with you guys here. I mean, I, I did already lay the chalk on Woodley. I hit minus 145. I hit minus 155, and I hit him in multiple places. I just think stylistically here, it's kind of a tough matchup for Burns. I mean, so it's all about number value, by the way. So that price is long gone right now. We might see it come back because it seems like the whole Twitterverse is on the other side with Burns. And I understand it, and I can respect that because Burns, as an underdog price in most cases, man, you got to love him because the skill set that he has. I mean, the guy is one of the best grapplers in the sport. There's no doubt about that. And on top of it, for being a, a grappling-based fighter, his stand-up has gotten way better. I mean, the guy's more than capable of winning fights on the feet now as well. We've seen that time and time again. I like what I see from Burns. I mean, his, his boxing is very nice. He pushes a higher tempo than Willie does, so I can understand that as well. And he's got knockout power. And then if he gets Willie's back, I mean, he's a threat. So again, I respect Burns, and I understand why the Twitterverse is so hungry about this dog price. But, I mean, you guys see the line kind of escalate a little bit. Now, as we get closer to fight day, we're seeing some action come back in on Burns because, again, that's going to kind of be the popular pick, I think, amongst everybody. Can Burns this one win this fight? Sure he can, especially if we don't see the Woodley that we're used to seeing in his prime. I mean, that last fight that he had against Usman was definitely – a terrible performance by him. I mean, we've seen, you know, he just, he looked like a non-motivated Willie in that spot. I mean, Usman pretty much controlled and handled him very well in that spot across the board. I mean, his striking, his grinding style, and obviously Usman is a teammate of Burns. So Burns has a lot of confidence coming into this fight. And if we don't see Woodley of old show up in this fight, I mean, it's possible that Burns does get it, but I think Woodley does have a chip on his shoulder. I think he is. We're going to see a Woodley that's motivated in this spot. And it really comes down to defense. In my opinion here, defensively, Woodley's a better fighter. I think if he could keep this fight upright, which I think he should, because he's got the wrestling pedigree to do so. And he fights smart. And that's the other thing. Woodley's a very intelligent fighter. So I think he's got that riding for him and he's got explosive knockout power. And what you see from Burns a lot of times, I think people are forgetting he has been clipped. He has been knocked out. He's been, I mean, he's been hurt in the past by, you know, lesser striking opponents, I mean, lesser power for sure. Woodley has that kind of crazy power, especially in the welterweight division. Burns hasn't been hit by that yet. So I think Woodley's going to find a spot. I mean, he could be maybe losing the the output battle a little bit. He, you know, we see Woodley always backing up against a cage and putting himself in that kind of spot here. This is going to be a smaller cage, by the way. So a lot of people are going to say that it, it is going to um, – probably favor a lot of the grinders a lot of the grappling based fighters a little bit more i mean they're you know these guys that like to fight in space aren't going to have as much room to kind of run or, or move you know to the side or whatnot and you know they're not going to have as much room so they're going to be forced to fight i think that actually bodes well for willie in this spot because he is going to find his way to you know his back up against cage a little bit quicker and burns is going to kind of i think take the bait a little bit and he's going to get hit with one of willie's bombs and the other reason i like willie here is as, as the fight progresses i mean he's been battle tested people could say what they want about willie's cardio and conditioning at times 
He does tend to slow down, but he's been in five-round wars with some of the best, obviously. I mean, Stephen Thompson, you can't get much better than him as a striking base fighter. We know that. And Willie, even late in those fights, had enough power to hurt Thompson. We've seen that happen. So I think as the fight progresses here, Burns hasn't been in that those battle-tested spots. Burns hasn't really been and those championship rounds in round four and round five against high-level competition that he's going to see here. So even if Burns is winning this fight early on, I think Willie still has knockout power left And as the fight progresses enough to get Burns out of there. Burns does slow down. We've seen that time and time again. Again, he's taking some fights on short notice, so I get it. And I've seen him training, I mean, like an animal for this fight. So I'm expecting his cardio to be pretty decent, but it doesn't matter what we see in training. And we we have to go by what we've seen, period. And Burns does slow down, and he has difficulty usually in round three in fights. And if that's the case here, that's not a good formula to pull off the upset against a guy like Woodley. So if Woodley fights smart, Woodley connects on one of his big bombs, and I think he will. I think he's the more accurate striker in this spot as well. And again, I think he's better overall defensively. So I think Burns is going to get hit by one of these bombs from Woodley. Again, might not be right away. It might kind of play out for a while, and Burns might have his moments early on. But we're not betting does Burns win round one and round two? We're betting if Woodley wins a fight or not. And I think at that spot at minus 145 and minus 155, the value was clear to me, at least on Woodley. That's why I bet it. And I mean, obviously we're seeing more action and people saying that, you know, Burns is, is their player one on. And we've seen the line kind of rise, like I said. So it seems like the sharper action does agree with me as a whole. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a drop in fight time. Maybe this gets back down to minus 155 ish. And if that's the case, I think there is some value that opens back up. So you got to play this line game in this spot as well and you got to get a good price on Woodley if you're going to bet him because again we don't know exactly what we're going to see from Woodley here maybe he is past it maybe we've seen Woodley you know have his better days behind him so to speak and Burns is kind of on the rise a little bit more he's the hungry fighter he wanted this fight I mean so there's a lot to like about Burns so that's why it's important to get a good price if you're betting Woodley here okay so I'm not going to say that enough times basically so line shopping and line value is what it comes down to here so if you're getting woodley minus 145 minus 155 i think there's a bet to be made i wouldn't lay minus 180 where it's at right now on woodley though because again there's some question marks definitely that you have to think about with woodley so overall though i think people are underestimating woodley i mean he had one terrible performance and i think everybody's kind of jumping off his wagon the guy was a former welterweight champ for a reason I still think he's got what it takes to win this fight against Burns in this spot. So I'm going to side with him again. Obviously, my pick is going to be Woodley, and I already got down some money on him as well, as I mentioned. So hopefully Woodley comes through for me. Yeah, my biggest concern here is activity. I mean, Woodley has fought uh, since Woodley last fought when he lost his title in uh, early 2019. Burns has had his entire welterweight run. I think he's fought four times since Woodley last fought. And Burns has had seven grappling exhibitions or bouts since then. So, I mean, he has just been crazy active, uh, which is just amazing. And not only that, he's been on fire. So the momentum is definitely with Burns. I mean, he's uh, looked great ever since moving up to the welterweight division. His hands are looking good. His chin is good. Uh, his grappling game is on point. Um, and then obviously you saw in the, the Maya fight, you know, if he can connect with a, a good shot, you're going out. And, uh, cause Maya's been in there with some of the best in the world. And that's only the second time he's really been put in a bad spot with, uh, somebody striking. So, you know, major props to Burns for that. Um, and you know, if somehow Burns is able to get this on the ground, you know, he's definitely a super dangerous there, but I just think that's going to be, you know, Asking a lot because Woodley is so good with his wrestling. Uh, I think that he'll be using that in reverse pretty easily. Um, so 
this will probably, at least to me, boil down to who's the better striker. Um, and while uh, Burns is uh, can be a little bit more diverse and active, uh, I still have to side with Woodley. I mean, he has huge power uh, in his hands. He's bigger. Um, he has uh, uh, he's he's got the the reach advantage here about three inches. Um, when he does hurt people, he can follow through quickly and go for the kill. Um, and he's got still that, uh, that speed. Uh, and, you know, he, he can, uh, still have those good, uh, reflexes. So I'm not too worried about, uh, the stand-up here. I'm, I think even with, uh, the only thing I'm really worried about is Burns starting really strong and Woodley being really rusty because, you know, he has not fought since, uh, losing the belt. So this will be uh, well over a year since his last time inside the cage. And, you know, how is he going to perform? I mean, that's really the big question mark here. Um, you know, cage rust, some guys have it, some guys don't. But at 38 years old, you would think that if there's a time to be rusty, now might be the time. So as Nick mentioned, that's something that we're not, that we don't really know yet. A big question mark, you know, is Woodley starting to falter? Um, because, you know, he didn't just lose to Usman. I mean, he lost almost every single second of that fight. Uh, granted, you know, I just think Usman is a younger, better version of Woodley. Maybe doesn't quite have the same, uh, striking technique and power, but just definitely, uh, just a little bit, and, and he was just better than him. And Woodley couldn't handle it. And I'm a little concerned that something like that could happen here with Burns, but, uh, I also think that Woodley is crazy motivated to, you know, get back in uh, the title picture. And if he can beat Burns convincingly, especially with the rise that Burns has been on, especially after Burns finished uh, Maya in his last fight, um, you know, he'll be right back in the title mix. So um, I expect that Woodley is going to find a home on uh, Burns' chin. We really haven't seen Burns in there against a really strong uh powerful striker since his move up to the welterweight division, at least not on Woodley's level. Uh the last time he really faced somebody like that was Dan Hooker who knocked him out. So uh I also think uh as Nick mentioned, uh conditioning could definitely play a factor here with a five round fight. Um I think Woodley has shown over and over again that he can go five rounds, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh Burns slows down, so as Nick said, I could see Burns starting really strong here, especially with Woodley being rusty. But if Burns doesn't take out Woodley, I think it'll just slowly go towards Woodley as this fight wears on and Burns starts to slow down. And I see Woodley taking over. I can see Woodley winning a decision, but I can also definitely see Woodley winning by knockout. I actually think he'll knock Burns out about round three. So that's going to be my pick. I'm going with uh, Tyron Woodley. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Night, Woodley versus Burns. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck everyone and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.